What is today? Today is February 2nd, that's right, 2024, Dos Mil Well, as soon as we have the Omega Man Vault Project up and running, I'll check that off the list and then I'm moving over to uh, building the Demon Hotline platform. And that will include um, several programs a week where we're opening up the lines for deliverance. We'll be streaming it on its own YouTube channel. And we'll be advertising it worldwide, doing some uh, Facebook uh, Reels, YouTube Shorts, Instagram Shorts, etc. And I think that thing could go blow up pretty big. Um, So praise the Lord. I think that's a a great step forward to expand the program and uh, try to bring in some more listeners and reach more people. And then uh, once that's ready, we're going to start working on a bilingual version of the program try to get this show dubbed into some foreign languages and break into uh, the Latino market, maybe some of the Asian countries as well. We'll see how that works out. Okay, lift this up in prayer, and of course my website, if you'd like to write to me, is omegamanradio.com. Well, we're going to pick up today where we left off yesterday. We're in the book of First Samuel. We've also started in Mark. Let's open up in prayer. Father Yehovah, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this opportunity to speak your word. This is the day that you have made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. We plead the blood of Jesus Christ over this entire listening audience, over all of us and our families. Heavenly Father God, in Jesus Christ's name, forgive us of all our sins known or unknown, back to the very first thought, word, deed, gesture, and action. Forgive us where we have sinned against you, Lord. We plead the blood of Jesus over us. We ask you, Father God, to have mercy. Have mercy on us, our nation, where possible. We ask that you would go before President Trump, be his defense, Avenge him, avenge each one of us, God, who have stood up to do the right thing and have been withstood by the enemy. God, we'd ask that you would perform your word. Job twenty two twenty five, you said you'd go before us and be our defense that we would have plenty of silver. Asking you do that now for me and others out there who will stand on your promises. In Jesus Christ's name. 
Surround us with your warrior angels. Put a hedge of protection wall fire from Zechariah 2 and 5 around each one of us. Invite the Holy Spirit of God to come. Holy Spirit, teach us the word. Give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. God, don't let us be deceived, but guide and direct us. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Also, in the name of Jesus, Satan, we put you on notice that we're attacking you tonight with the word of God, the sword of spirit. Through these airwaves, we're taking them back in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we bind every demonic force, every satanic force, we bind you in Jesus' name. We rebuke you in Jesus Christ's name. We command you to go, go to where Jesus sent you. We break any witchcraft or curses spoken against any of us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we also bind up and rebuke every spirit of backlash, retaliation, revenge, retribution, hindrance or delay that would come against any of us for being part of this program. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Well, let's jump into it. 1 Samuel chapter 19. And Saul spake to Jonathan his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. Saul isn't merely trying to kill David himself, but he's trying to enlist everybody else to do the job too. But Jonathan's Saul, son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeketh to kill thee. Now therefore I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning, and abide in a secret place, and hide thyself. And I will go out, and stand beside my father in the field where thou art. And I will commune with my father of thee, and what I see that I will tell thee. And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father, and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he hath not sinned against thee, and because his works have been to thee word very good. For he did put his life in his hand and slew the Philistine. And Jehovah wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it, and did rejoice. Wherefore then wilt thou sin against innocent blood, to slay David without a cause? And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan. And Saul swore, As Yahovah liveth, he shall not be slain. And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan showed him all those things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. And there was war again. And David went out, and fought with the Philistines, and slew them with a great slaughter, and they fled from him. And the evil spirit from Jehovah was upon Saul, as he sat in his house, with his javelin in his hand. And David played with his hand. And Saul sought to smite David, even to the wall with the javelin, but he slipped away out of the, Saul's presence, and he smote the javelin into the wall. And David fled and escaped that night. Saul also sent messengers unto David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. And Michael, or Michal, rather, David's wife told him, 
saying, If thou save not thine life tonight, tomorrow thou shalt be slain. So McCall let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. And McCall took an image and laid it in the bed and put a pillow of goat's hair for his bolster and covered it with a cloth. So some kind of statue she put in the bed. It's sort of what they did over there um, during the escape from Alcatraz. The three guys that escaped, it's believed that uh, two of them did survive. Was it two or three? Uh, that's a whole other program. But one thing they did to fool the guards is they put uh, like a dummy head with some hair in the bed and you know just a just a casual glance in the cell and it looked like someone was in there sleeping rather than seeing an empty bed. Well, this is an old trick. So David McCall used it. McCall puts this statue in there, laid in the bed, put a pillow of goat's hair for his bolster, you know, for a wig, and covered it with a cloth. And when Saul sent messengers to take David, she said, he's sick. And Saul sent the messengers again to see David, saying, bring him up to me in the bed, that I may slay him. And when the messengers were come in, behold, there was an image in the bed with a pillow of goat's hair for his bolster, for the wig. And Saul said unto Michal, Why hast thou deceived me so, and sent away mine enemy, that he has escaped? And Michal answered Saul, He said unto me, Let me go, why should I kill thee? So David fled, and escaped, and came to Samuel to Ramah, the prophet, and told him all that Saul had done. And he and Samuel went and dwelt in Naoth. You see, Saul just can't help himself. He just continues to compound sin upon sin. He's disobeyed the Lord multiple times. He's seeking to murder a man who has done nothing to hurt Saul, but because of Saul's sin and rebellion to God, disobedience, that was his sin, disobeyed God. What do you think happens if you and I disobey God? Are we any better than Saul? Will we be any better off? I don't think so. I don't think uh, we fear the Lord like we need to in this day and that time. We think that grace uh, exempts us from needing to obey the Lord. I say not. We need to obey God. Obedience is better than committing the sin and then repenting later. Obedience is better than sacrifice as it goes. It's going to cost Saul his life before it's over with. And because he's disobeyed God, God has sent evil spirits to afflict him. You know, God can do that. I'll say it again. You hear many times, oh, the witches are after me. I'm being attacked by a witch coven. I don't think so. I don't think so. I tell you what I think. I think that person has run afoul of the word of God and they're under the judgment of God. And perhaps they're being tormented by the very demons that have a legal right to torment people, sometimes sent from God himself when people sin. 
and disobey the Lord. Does the word of God not say, if you do not forgive, I will not forgive you. Uh, My Father in heaven will not forgive you, Jesus said. And we have the, the example of the man who was forgiven much, yet he had almost went into debtor's prison and his uh, wife and children sold into slavery. He owed millions of dollars to a, to a king. And he went before the king and the ruler and begged for mercy and the king forgave him all his debt, set him free and set his family free. And he goes out, bumps into a fellow servant that owes him a dollar. He says, pay up. The guy says, if you'll give me some time, I'll pay you. I don't have it today. And he had the man arrested and thrown into prison. Word got back to the king. King called the servant back, said, I forgave you of all this, and you'll do this to your fellow servant. And he had him arrested and thrown into prison, outer darkness, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. What do you think that's talking about? He was turned over to the tormentors. Demons, tormentors. So I say to those people who think they're under attack from a witch coven, you probably run afoul of the word of God. Many of us have. And you know, you've come under a curse from God himself. Yes, God curses people just as he blesses people. I will bless those that bless thee. Speaking of blessing Israel and the tribes. Or I will curse those that curse thee. Many examples of blessing and curse in the word of God. Malachi 3. Wherein have ye robbed me, saith the Lord, in tithes and offerings? And what happens? You'll be turned over to the devourers. And what happens if you obey God? God will bless you. And you abound. And many promises there. It's a blessing or a curse. Some curses, there's nothing we can do about. Sin was so great we're never going to be able to lift the curse of death. Not on this side of eternity. But the good news is, although it's appointed a man once died, then the judgment, we can be born again. And although this body is going to die, there's nothing we can do to stop it. There's no way to live forever in this body. That's one curse you cannot break. Just like men will work to the sweat of his brow, and there'll be pain in childbirth. Okay, these are just some things that they're done. We've got to live with it. That's part of sin. We're going to die. And I was just looking at a number of celebrities this week and musicians and public figures. Some of them look older than dirt. I mean, since I last saw them, they've aged. And I got to thinking, well, hey, we're all aging together. Some may seem to do it a little bit slower than others. You've got, you know, if you've lived good before the Lord and haven't mistreated this body and you've got some good genes, so to speak, you can be blessed and live to an old age, but many people are deteriorating very fast. I mean, they're going to need a lot more makeup, Botox and everything they can just to give an image, but you rip that stuff away, they look pretty old. 
Look at Mick, look at uh, Mick Mars of the group Motley Crue. He's got one foot in the grave. God help him. He needs to find Jesus before it's too late. Many people are getting old out there. We're all getting old. Many people are kicking the bucket. Why am I saying this? Because that's a curse that was put upon mankind for sin. Our life was supposed to be live forever. Not age, I I suppose. You know, be in our prime, but because of sin, God cut the days of men short. And the later sin over in Genesis 6, 120 maximum. Most people aren't having great qualities of life once they get to 90. So if you get that extra bonus of 30 years, I mean, praise God, but most aren't going to be able to enjoy it. The sad truth is, many people begin to go senile. If you want to try to thwart that, get off of seed oils. That's one of the main reasons for dementia and Alzheimer's, seed oil. Get off of that stuff. Get off of margarine. Go back to butter and olive oil, coconut oil. Well, the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So, praise God. There is some good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, sin will kill you. Terrible thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Run afoul of his word. We don't repent. We will come under the judgment of God sooner or later. God's word is true. Let every man be a liar. Back to Saul. He kept making one mistake after another mistake, compounding his troubles. He could have repented. Now, he may not have been given the kingdom, but he might have lived. His son Jonathan might have lived. But sadly, it's not too long before Saul's going to commit the error of going to a a witch doctor and uh, trying to conjure up the spirit of Samuel who's died at that point and he'll commit suicide a few days later fall on his own sword Saul's not in heaven tonight as far as I read that very sad it didn't have to be that way well here he goes. He hadn't repented. He seemed to be a double-minded man at this point. One minute he's okay, and the next minute he's not. Well, it's because he's tormented by demons. Okay, many people have mood swings. That's a demon. That's a red flag. Demon spirits. And it can digress. I mean, it can devolve, rather, down to worse states. Schizophrenia. You know, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And, of course, this guy, Saul, we're talking about, he's got anger issues, extreme hatred and jealousy of David. He's becoming bitter. He's disobeyed God. The Spirit of God has left him, and the evil spirit has come. He's a tormented man, unstable in all his ways. For a moment, 
all is well, but then Saul flips, and now he's trying to have David arrested, and he's going to kill David with his own hands if he has to. So David has no option but to run. Saul's under a curse. How many are under a curse tonight because they disobeyed God over and over and over again and do not repent? Now you can break the curse in Jesus' name. If God curses you, you can lift that curse. God can lift it, rather, by us repenting, falling on the mercy of God in the name of Jesus. God can turn things around. Or we can stay under the curse instead of having the blessing. encourage everybody to get the book, The Blessing of the Curse You Choose. I read it few weeks ago by Derek Prince. Everybody should read that book. I was under a curse because of generational and personal sins. Back in 2005, I had disobeyed the Lord. My ancestors on my dad's side had disobeyed the Lord and paid a heavy price. Many of them died prematurely. And I was next in line, me and my brother, to die. My great-grandfather died at 52 in the ministry. My grandfather Davis died at 58 out before his time. My father died two years later age 57. And me and my brother were next. Cried out to God, God help me. He said, you and your brother Damon have a generational curse you need to break. And God had brought that on us because of our sin against his word. And he said, you need to break it. How do you break it? Repent. Then stand on Galatians 3.13. In the name of Jesus Christ, we lifted that curse because we met the conditions. We repented. We broke it in the name of Jesus. We made a turn. We renounced our sins and sins of the fathers. We repented, decided to follow the Lord. For it was too late. And while my, my father and my grandfather died, they did go to be with Jesus, but they died before their time. They could have lived another 30 or 40 years. My great-grandfather, I don't think he made it. He died a Freemason in good standing, Master Mason. Went right in the hill. Moving on. So David fled and escaped and came to Samuel to Ramah and told him all that Saul had done. And he and Samuel went and dwelt in Naioth. And it was told Saul, saying, Behold, David is in Naioth in Ramah. And Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the company of the prophets prophesying and Samuel standing as appointed over them, the Spirit of God was upon the messengers of Saul, and they also prophesied. And when it was told Saul, he sent other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. And Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they prophesied also. How many times does Saul need to get the hint that he went the wrong direction? Then went he also to Ramah and came to a great well that is in Seku 
And he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And one said, Behold, they be at Nioth in Ramah. And he went there to Nioth in Ramah, and the Spirit of God was upon him also. And he went on and prophesied until he came to Nioth in Ramah. And he stripped off his clothes also, and prophesied before Samuel in like manner, and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Wherefore they say, Is Saul also among the prophets? And David fled from Nioth in Ramah, and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? What is mine iniquity? What is my sin before thy father that he seeks my life? And Jonathan said unto him, God forbid, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing either great or small, but that he will show it me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. And David swore moreover and said, Thy father Saul certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he says, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly as Jehovah liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. He knew he could be killed at any moment. Saul was hot on his trail. Then said Jonathan unto David, Whatsoever thy soul desires, I will even do it for thee. And David said unto Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit with the king at meat. Let me go, that I may hide myself in the field until the third day at evening. Thy father had all missed me, then say, David earnestly asked leave of me, that he might run to Bethlehem his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. If he say thus, It is well, thy servant shall have peace. But if he be very wroth, then be sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore thou shalt deal kindly with thy servant, for thou hast brought thy servant into a covenant of Yahovah with thee, notwithstanding. If there be in me iniquity, slay me yourself. For why should thou bring me to thy father? And Jonathan said, Far be it from thee, for if I knew certainly that evil were determined by my father to come upon thee, then would not I tell it to you? Then said David to Jonathan, Who shall tell me? Or what if thy father answer thee roughly? And Jonathan said unto David, Come, and let us go out into the field. And they went out both of them into the field. And Jonathan said unto David, O Yehovah, God of Israel, When I have sounded my father about tomorrow any time, or the third day, and behold, if there be good toward David, and I then send not unto thee, and show it thee. Yehovah, do so, and much more to Jonathan. But if it please my father to do thee evil, then I will show it thee, and send thee away, that thou may go in peace, and Yehovah be with thee, as he hath been with my father. And thou shalt not only, while yet I live, show me the kindness of Yehovah, that I die not. But also thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my father, from my house forever. No, not when Yehovah hath cut off the enemies of David, every one from the face of the earth. 
So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let Yahovah even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan 90 seconds. caused David to swear again, because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. They're like blood brothers. They're like human brothers. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and thou shalt be missed, because thy seat will be empty. And when you have stayed three days, then thou shalt go down quickly and come to the place seconds. where thou did hide thyself when the business was in hand, and shall remain by the stone Ezel. And I will shoot three arrows on the side thereof, as though I shot at a mark. And behold, I will send a lad, saying, Go find out the arrows. If I expressly send to the lad, Behold, the arrows are on the side of thee, take them. Then come thou, for there is peace with thee, and no hurt, as Yahovah liveth. But if I say thus unto the young man, Behold, the arrows are beyond thee, go thy way. For Yahovah has sent thee away. And is touching the matter which thou and I have spoken of, Behold, Yahovah be between thee and me forever. So Jonathan, you know, is saying, hey, surely my dad would have done this. You know, be trying to kill you. And have plans made to apprehend you without telling me. But nonetheless, I will go and inquire, find out. And if it be the case, then I will warn you, you are to escape and God will be with you. And uh, although my father may be your enemy, let's make an agreement here that me and my family will not be touched. Me and my children. And of course, uh, David didn't want to hurt Jonathan. and They love each other as brothers. And David agrees. He will not seek any revenge on Jonathan for the sin of his father trying to kill him. So David hid himself in the field, and when the new moon was come, King Saul set him down to eat meat at a feast. And the king sat upon his seat, as at other times, even upon a seat by the wall. And Jonathan rose, and Abner sat by Saul's side. He was the commander, right? General. And David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul spake not anything that day. For he thought something hath befallen him. He's not clean. Surely he's not clean. See, Saul thought that David was going to be there. He was going to probably try to grab him. And it came to pass on the, the next day, the morrow, which was the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. Saul said unto Jonathan his son, Wherefore cometh not the son of Jesse to meet, neither yesterday nor today? And Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked leave of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, Let me go, I pray thee. For our family hath a sacrifice in the city, and my brother, he hath commanded me to be there. And now, if I have found favor in thine eyes, let me get away. I pray thee, and see my brethren. Therefore he cometh not unto the king's table. Then Saul's anger was kindled against Jonathan, and he said unto him, Thou son of the perverse, rebellious woman, 
Donai, I know that thou hast chosen the son of Jesse to thine own confusion, and unto the confusion of thy mother's nakedness. For as long as the son of Jesse liveth upon the ground, then thou shalt not be established, nor thy kingdom. Wherefore now send and fetch him unto me, for he shall surely die. And Jonathan answered Saul his father, and said to him, Wherefore shall he be slain? What has he done? You know, why? And Saul cast a javelin at at Jonathan to smite him, whereby Jonathan knew that it was determined of his father to slay David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and did eat no meat the second day of the month. For he was grieved for David because his father had done him shame. And it came to pass in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the appointed time with David and a little lad with him. And he said unto his lad, Run, find out now the arrows which I shoot. And as the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. And when the lad was come to the place of arrow which Jonathan shot, Jonathan cried after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond thee? And Jonathan cried after the lad, Make speed, haste, stay not. And Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came to his master. But the lad knew not anything. Only Jonathan and David knew the matter. So Jonathan has sent the signal to David that his father does indeed plan to kill him and get away, escape for your life. And Jonathan gave his artillery unto his lad, his bow, his arrow, quiver, said to him, Go, carry them to the city. And as soon as the lad was gone, David arose out of a place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times. And they kissed one another and wept one another till David exceeded. And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace. For as much as we have sworn both of us in the name of Yahovah, saying, Yahovah be between me and thee, and between my seed and thy seed forever. And he rose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city.
Rated PG-13. Stars Friday, Man Westwood, Man Hollywood, and a theater near you. That's a great movie. If you want to watch something great this weekend, get the movie King David, 1985, Richard Gere. It's awesome. Man, I wish they'd make more movies like that. Now, there have been some good ones that have made been made in recent times. There was one on the prophet Jeremiah. Um, I think that it's uh, Lux Vita, L-U-X-E. They made some great movies, made one about King Solomon and Daniel and others. But, uh, I mean, this one had some real metal in it. Uh, King David, Richard Gere, 1985. Been a long time since so I've seen one like that. Although, I, I, I did forget, there was a... Uh, a recent movie a few years ago made on uh, Samson Delilah but that, how many times have that story been told still really good good movie um, okay where are we going now we're going to go into um, Mark chapter 2 Mark chapter 2 here on Speak My Word I hope you enjoy this program we read from the King James Bible Pray for me. I've got to start uh, biblical Hebrew class tomorrow night. First college course I've taken in like 30 years. Yeah. And I'm already on, behind on my pre-homework assignment. i got to try to read it sometime. I'll, I'll be probably be trying to get it all done tomorrow. Okay. But it'll be good. I'm starting kindergarten. Really, that's what it is. Biblical Hebrew kindergarten we got to start with the alphabet. And um, maybe in 30 weeks, because that's how long the course is, once a week, 30 weeks. Maybe I can read a little bit. We'll see how it goes. Well, i got to get started somewhere. But my goal is to be able to read uh, the Aleppo and the Leningrad Codex, the Masoretic Hebrew, be able to get in there and read a little bit. That would be kind of cool. We'll see how, far, see how far we get. But, hey. Praise the Lord. You've got to start somewhere. Kindergarten, in my case. Mark chapter 2. And again, Jesus entered into Capernaum after some days. And it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And Jesus preached the word unto them. What was he preaching? The Word. He was preaching out of the Bible. The Torah. The prophets. He preached to them. What did Jesus do? He preached the gospel. He cast out devils. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He performed miracles. Yes, he did. Then he gave his life and rose again. That was the mission that he came for. And they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy. Suppose he had the cerebral palsy, which was being carried by four men. And when they could not come near unto him for the press, there were just so many people up in there, they uncovered the roof where Jesus was. When they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. 
I took the shingles off the, the you know removed the uh, the covering the rafters and let that guy in from from the roof on down by ropes probably tied to each corner right when Jesus saw their faith he said unto the sick of the palsy son thy sins be forgiven thee but there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts why doth this man thus speak blasphemies who can forgive sins but God only now they were reasoning correctly the only one that can forgive sins is God and who is Jesus the son of Yahovah God the father he is God come in the flesh and immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned with themselves he said unto them why reason ye these things in your hearts which is easier to say of the sick of the palsy thy sins be forgiven thee or to say arise and take up thy bed and walk but that ye may know that the son of man speaking of himself hath power on earth to forgive sins he saith to the sick of the palsy I say unto thee arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into the house into thine house Jesus was saying in effect he is God yes now God is a title for the the three God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit the Father is Yehovah we've got his name embedded in the Hebrew text of the Bible his son Jesus the Christ Yeshua Hamashiach, Yeshua the Messiah in Hebrew is God the Son and then the Holy Spirit is God all three are one God but they're three individuals Jesus was saying here that he is God because even the Pharisees knew that no man can forgive sins but it's God who forgives sins Jesus was saying that he is God people say that Jesus didn't say he was God they don't read the word of God have comprehension again Jesus said I say unto thee arise and take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house and immediately the man with who had had palsy arose took up the bed and went forth before them all insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God saying we never saw it on this fashion they never seen a miracle like that and Jesus went forth again by the seaside and all the multitude came unto him and he taught them what did Jesus do he preached the word he taught the word and he had signs that following the preaching of the word And of course, he would read from Scripture, but he would also speak. And many of the things that he spoke have been recorded down and make up the New Testament that we have today. Sermon on the Mount. 
And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. He taught them the scripture. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said to him, Follow me. And Levi rose and followed Jesus. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, he was having, say, dinner, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. Now, I don't know how they were seated. They could have been at a table, if they had one, or they could have been seated Indonesian style, on the floor. Many countries, they, they'll eat right on the floor. They don't throw the food on the floor, but they just seated down, maybe Indian style. You'll see that in many countries. They have these very small tables even and pillows. People lounge down there. and you know It's not necessarily a Western table with, you know, wooden chairs. Could be, but many times people just sit right on the ground. That's what they did and they, they do out there in the Middle East. They do here in Asia. People are, are as comfortable, more so, right on the ground with a plate. And by the way, they eat with their hands over here. And they would eat with their hands over there too. I don't think they had forks. Might have, but I, I don't know. And I thought that was so strange. I saw it first of people in India and of people here in Indonesia. And they use their fingers. And they use their right hand, not their left hand. They use one for eating and one for wiping the butt. Uh, I'm like, what? So yeah, that's why you don't uh, shake, you know, shake the wrong hand, right? At any rate. But yeah, people will eat with their, their hands and their fingers and they, 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 they know how to scoop out the rice and some of the meat. And, uh, you know, this is kind of revolting to me when I first came here. I asked for a fork. But after a while, you go native. And, you know, I can, I can survive under any circumstances right now. I mean, you know, I've been enough places and now here almost eight years. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you could take a, 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 I can take a shower out of a bucket, you know. Uh, I can live without toilet paper. You figure out how to do it with a water hose. Yeah, it works. It's actually more clean. Uh, and, you know, I still couldn't get, get into this uh, eating with my fingers. I just said, ooh. But one day, I just did as the Romans did. It was in Madan, Sumatra. At, uh, visiting where Mama Narita, and at that time, it was just Jeremiah and Judah. Judah was a baby. This is four years ago. Jeremiah wasn't born yet. Um, we took a trip over to Sumatra, which is uh, Narita's island where she came from, Madan. And we went over to her mother's original birthplace, which is called uh, Lake Toba. It's um, 
It's a village that sits on the edge of a caldera in a volcano. So in the volcano, it's all filled up with water. It's like a huge lake, but it's still somewhat active. They've got hot springs over there, so I don't know if the thing's going to blow again. It might. they got some big monster volcanoes over here in Indonesia, like Krakatoa and stuff. They've got a massive one here on this island called Mount Agung. And by the way, I'm looking at the calendar. Next month, we've got the Day of Silence again, where the whole island goes on blackout. I've been through this thing about seven times. It's been the seventh time, I think. Well, getting back to my story, we're out in the country where a lot of farmers had, you know, land and they would grow, you know, grow different crops. And here in Bali, they grow a lot of rice. They have rice paddies. Very beautiful to see. But, you know, uh, Indonesia grows a lot of different food. And so we were out there visiting um, like a, co- a cousin of Narita's father. And they brought us into this uh, house and they served some food. And we, we all sat on the ground, kind of Indian style. And they brought out and put food in the middle and and uh, gave us plates and um, you might get a fork you might not you're more apt to get a spoon over here they use spoons for everything but when it came to the food I didn't see anybody eating with a fork I didn't want to be the you know the uh, odd man out so I just did as the natives did I went native and you know just eating the rice with my fingers and then they give you a little bit of chicken and they might have some chopped chai, which is, you know, kind of mixed vegetables. And, uh, yeah, I survived it. And then they bring out these little um, uh, these little bowls with water. And that's for washing your fingertips because you're eating with your fingertips. So you got to make sure you wash up good. And, you know, that's the way people eat. People would prefer to eat with their fingers than with a fork. And that is the truth. And that's just the way they do it over here. And even the kids would do it, but I'd get on to them and make them use a fork. I said, what would happen if we brought them back to America? People would think they're barbarians. <laughs> but uh, they're acclimating well. They can they can do either one. I still, I still ask for a fork everywhere I go. I mean, just saying, but I have done it. And uh, I was just thinking about that as they're sitting here at meet in Jesus' house. They were probably sitting on the floor. Bunch of cushions probably had the food put out there in the middle they might have had a mat and it's actually quite comfortable um, I go out to this baby store and I get these very thick foam mats they survive the longest and you can you can wash them you know with a with a mop you can wipe over them and you know that's our, our carpet if you will you don't have carpet in these countries too hot so what you'll do is you'll have they'll have tile four, and uh, that's just the standard over here. And then you'll put a mat on top of it if you want to. So I got this big child's foam mat and throw it down there. And it uh, the fork can gotta get cold sometimes. And that puts a little bit of layer between you and the four, and you sit on that. And you may or may not have a couch. Right now I don't have a couch. Um, it's actually a futon. And I had to convert it into a bed as the family grew. So. In my living room, uh, we just had a mat, but then later, 
I had to start sleeping in the living room sometimes. It got too crowded in the room. So I put a mattress in there. And now I have that up against the wall. And You know, it's very rustic. But it works, and it's comfortable. You know, hey, I've just, I've just, uh, you know, uh, went native. Again, a, a shower may be a hose mounted to the wall right there at the toilet. You'll see it in a lot of Asian countries, and you just put the thing over your head, and it goes down a drain. There is no step-in shower or tub. Now, you can have that stuff. You can have anything you want, but that's how most people live. Just get a hose, put it over your head in the bathroom and and mop the floor. Um, Eat on the floor. When we have uh, groups that come out fellowship, it's all on the floor because we don't have a table big enough. Now, we have a table that will seat, you know, about four or five people. But, you know, if you've got 20 people in there, where are you going to put them? Everybody gets on the floor. Just move everything out of the way. They put mats down and people sit Indian style. That's the way they fellowship. It's really a comfortable thing. And uh, growing up, my dad used to uh, watch a lot of TV, and so did I then as a result. And he would prefer to be on the carpet, laying down with a pillow, than he would up on the couch. And So I've always been comfortable on the ground anyway, but over here, everybody does it. You'll even go out down the road, and uh, people will make money selling food on the side of the road. They'll have these carts, or some people will rent out parking lot space of stores that, you know, have closed for the day and uh, they'll bring this cart over and they cook their food and then they have all these little tables set out with like candles and pillows on the ground on mats and you'll drive by and see, you know, 20 people out there eating at night, very quiet. Uh, Then you see as many people going into McDonald's too, so there are a lot of people that like the Western culture. Uh, Although that food ain't good for them, is it? McDee's. So it's a different culture over there in the Middle East. That's the way they eat. A lot of times they just bring out platters of food and everybody dips off of it. Now I had a hard time with that. Uh, I'm like, you know, I want to order my own. I don't want to just get in there and everybody eat out of the same dish. It's just strange to me. You know what I'm saying? It just wasn't how we do it. Everybody orders their own at the restaurant. Not, not here per se, a lot of times they just bring it out. It's like buffet style. And you'll see a lot of people eating off of a couple plates. They grab what they want. It's it's a different way different way of life. But you know what? It's laid back. I like it. I'm asked all the time, do you like uh, Bali? I said, yeah, I love it. It's a great place. What do you like about it? People are nice. It's safe. Of course, you got the beach if you want to go to. There's nothing wrong with having a beach. I don't go to it that often, though. But... Uh, what I like is the uh, the pace of life is slower by 50% from what I know in America. Um, you're more apt to know your neighbor here and know people than you will in America. Everybody's doing their own thing in America by and large. Here, you know, there's a great density of people and you'll run into people, people friendly and, you know. Uh, but the, the pace of life is definitely slower. Um more economical to live. And that's really what has been our saving grace. When it comes down to it, I couldn't afford a $3,000 a month house back in America right now like some people are paying. I just couldn't do it. Or $2,000 a month. I mean, that's just insanity to me. Um, our overhead is super cheap here. 
It's going up, though, in price because more people are coming to the island, especially uh, from Ukraine and Russia, other countries. Tens of thousands have moved here. And some places are just so crowded, the only way to get in there is on a scooter. If you try to car, it would be like three-hour traffic, round trip. It's just horrible. It's getting bad in some parts of the town. You know, prepare for gridlock, like... um, places like Chengu and Semenyak. But <clears throat> I like the, the pace of life. It's definitely slower. Uh, school system, it's like rolling it back to the late 70s, early 80s. They're 30 years away from going woke, and it probably will never happen here because this is a Muslim country. They don't put up with homosexuality like we do in America. Although there are homosexuals here in uh, some people walking around, you know, I'm not sure what they are. I've seen some. Um, two guys walking in a mall, and they, I looked at them, and they looked at me, and I, I said, those aren't uh, girls, rather. Those are guys. So There's that kind of stuff going on. Hang on a second. Somebody may be at my door. Let me check. Stand by. Oops, I forgot to turn the volume up on that music. <laughs> Sorry about the dead silence. Okay, that was a uh, DHL package. I'm glad I uh, answered that phone. I've got trained now. Somebody calls me from Indonesia. It's usually a package. Ah, okay. Pace of life is slower here. Uh, it really just kind of, it's a reset. I mean, you learn how to go native and uh, survive with less creature comforts. You know, it's um, it's been uh, beneficial in that area. And, of course, for the kids, I don't have to worry about them going in and uh, being programmed by these globalists. We've got, we've got a Christian school, which was a real miracle to find, and uh, we have to pay for it, but tuition here is uh, not what it would be back in America. It's about $2,000 a year, so all said and done, it's about 
200 a month to put Jeremiah in a uh, good Christian school and I'm thankful for that um, even the public school would still be safe but I was worried that we might have them in a situation where they might try to force a vaccination on them and we had to be very clear with the uh, principal here I don't ever want this child vaccinated in school because sometimes health uh, the, the health departments will go into schools and try to vaccinate people. They even do that in America. So uh, with much reluctance, we put them into school, and now everything's okay. I didn't know if we were going to have to homeschool him or not, but um, he's really, really thriving in school. The school is safe. Education is safe. Cost of living is cheaper for housing. And, uh, yeah, we're blessed to be here because I could not literally afford to be in America right now. Just couldn't do it. If I could even get all my family back, which is a, a hurdle in and of itself, um, coming through the front door almost in uh, a mountain of paperwork you've never seen the likes of, just to get a tourist visa, you got to see what they want me to come up with. Plus, they want to vaccinate Mama Narita to get her back in America. Now, that's coming through the front door. Come through the back door illegally? None of that is required. They just welcome you in. What's up with this double standard? I mean, you know, this has got to stop. This is insanity. Okay, I've gotten so far off the Bible scripture tonight, but yeah, I can identify with what they were doing. This is what they do in the Middle East, in Asia, many parts of the world. They live native. And I think that's liberating. It really is. You can relax. You realize you can get by with less. Uh, you know, it's um, it's more conducive to building relationships. And um, there we are. There we are. Okay. Now, where am I at? So, verse 16 says, When the scribes and Pharisees saw Jesus eat with the publicans and the sinners, they said unto his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Again, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick do. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they come and say unto them, Why do the disciples of John, speaking of John the Baptist, and of the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples, excuse me, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast? while the bridegroom is with them as long as they have the bridegroom with them they cannot fast no they're going to celebrate they're going to rejoice they're going to have feast no man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment else a new piece that filled it up taketh away from the old and the rent is made worse you know it pulls on the old and the, you know the rip the gap grows greater 
And no man putteth new wine into old bottles. And perhaps this should be listed as wineskins. It's not a salvation doctrine, but I think that it probably would be better translated from the original Greek to uh, wineskins. No man putteth new wine into old bottles, but else the new wine doth burst the bottles. That would definitely happen with uh, wineskins, right? And the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred, but new wine must be put into new bottles. And it came to pass that when Jesus went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day. Again, when is the Sabbath? Well, it's already started here in Indonesia, and it started actually where you're at too if you're on the East Coast. It started at Friday night sundown. Okay, that was tonight, your time. And it goes till Saturday night sundown. Okay, that is... the Sabbath. It's not Sunday. The Sabbath has never been Sunday. I don't care that Chick-fil-A said, we're going to close down on the Sabbath, and they meant good, but they closed down the wrong day. Sunday's never been the Sabbath. God's measures time from the evening and the morning were the first day. And God is the one who established when the Sabbath was. The original Sabbath that God has created for mankind is Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. Okay? Saturday is the seventh day. It's a day of rest. Sunday is the first day of the week. Now, you can rest every day if you wanted to. But let us not be confused here. Irregardless of what men does... We ought to obey God rather than men. And God established the Sabbath for men to rest as a day of rest. It's one of the Ten Commandments, and it is a day where we're not to do labor. We're not to make employees work. We're not to work our animals in the field. It's not recommended you mow the lawn. You set that aside a day holy unto the Lord. Now I'm working for the Lord doing this program. This is ministry. And you can have ministry on the Sabbath. People went into the synagogue on the Sabbath. Jesus preached on the Sabbath. Jesus didn't sit at home in the dark for 24 hours. What am I saying here? The Sabbath has always been the seventh day. That's Saturday. Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. First day of the week is Sunday. The Jews ought to know God gave that commandment to all mankind and the Jews are the keepers of the oracles of God. The Bible is very clear. Go to Israel. Sunday is the first day of the week. Now, even the West, we know that, but the work week doesn't start till Monday. Well, so what? Not the case over in Israel. It's like a Monday morning over there. But when it comes to the Sabbath, that hasn't changed. 
from where it originated from God how then did we get onto the Sunday and then people get so convoluted they say well got to go to the house of God today it's a Sabbath Sunday don't cut your grass we're not going to open Chick-fil-A the day you worship God has nothing to do with the Sabbath when I'm when we're talking about assembling yourselves okay you can go to church on the Sabbath yes but you can go to church every day if you want these are two different events one is the Sabbath rest and that hasn't changed until the Catholics came along as the story goes and they changed it sometime around Constantine's reign and the Jews were practicing the Sabbath on Saturday but they came under intense pressure and the Catholic Church which spawned out of Constantine changed the times and the seasons and they changed the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday and they say in their own records that that is their mark of ecclesiastical authority yeah right so then we've all been brainwashed and thinking well the Sabbath is Sunday it's also the day we go to God's house and don't do anything any labor on Sunday and I would, I grew up thinking that was a Sabbath and I felt guilty to do anything on that, that day little did I know we were got the wrong day the Sabbath was actually the day before that was Saturday and there was nothing wrong going to church on Sunday but there would have been nothing wrong with me going out and cutting grass on Sunday because Sunday is the first day of the week now that is in the word of God okay go back and see read what the word of God says the seventh day that's Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown okay so as much as Chick-fil-A meant well tried to do well he did it on the wrong day he should have been closed on Saturday actually very few will do it the way God says and then if you try to do it they say oh you're a seventh day Adventist like you're some cult well seventh day Adventists may have got a lot of stuff wrong but they didn't get that one wrong let me say something about Jehovah's Witness oh yeah that's a cult well you're using the name of Jehovah you must be Jehovah's Witness no they got one thing right I hope they got something right for as much as they got wrong God's name and they got it out of the King James Bible it's right there it's actually a Y instead of a J but that's no big deal that's English translation Hebrew Yehovah we know how to spell it we know how to pronounce it yes but doesn't but you know uh, the, the Hebrew doesn't the he, written Hebrew Bible doesn't have vowels the language does but think of the written form as a shorthand the native Hebrew speakers know, know how to spell of course they have an alphabet it's a shortened version and they have consonants but in the printed Hebrew they wouldn't write it with vowels that didn't mean they don't have vowels of course they do 
But if you're a native Hebrew speaker, you know how to read it and where the vowels go. But there came a point in time where as people were being dispersed and the further you're getting away from the land, there had to be a way to correct any error. And that's where the Masoretic Hebrew came in and the scribes began to take the the Torah and the prophets, the Old Testament, if you will, and they began to put the little accents there so you know not only how it's spelled but the correct pronunciation. Thank God for that. Because we we know how to actually spell the name of Yahovah. It's not just the Tetragrammaton. It's Y-E-H-O-V-A-H. It's not Yahweh. There is no W in God's name. That was a best-guess scenario because people didn't have the proof text. But thank God to the work of Nehemiah Gordon and others, they went out and they began to find actual Torah scrolls with the name of God intact with the spellings. Now, it wasn't always the case that the scribes, when it came to the name, would have the spelling intact because some believe that they need to put a hedge around the name so that you wouldn't blaspheme it so if you didn't know how to pronounce it you couldn't blaspheme it well that that's that's not really what God is asking us to do he wants us to know his name we're just not to profane it of course God wants us to know his name God's not the author of confusion and if we don't know the name of our God, then how can we distinguish between the God of the Bible and the God of the Muslims or the Hindus or the Buddhist or the Satanist? God is just a placeholder. It's a title. Ask the Hindus on my street, do they believe in God and believe in the Lord? They say yes. Well, then you would think that they're serving the God of the Bible and Jesus. Better wait a second. They're talking about millions of gods that they serve and their Lord is not the Lord Jesus Christ and my neighbors who worship their God oh they said they worship God we must all worship the same God no not so quick who is their God they know their God's name and his name is Allah whose symbol is a crescent moon who has no sun does that sound like the God of the Bible who has an only begotten son they're two different gods. One is a true living God. The other is a moon God. And the one true living God, his name is Yahovah. We know how to spell his name and pronounce it. But people are ignorant. Of this, sadly, I was ignorant of it most of my life. And I prayed and said, God, is it too much to ask what is your name? Why all this confusion out there? We've got people spelling it out G underscore D afraid to even write his title we got people saying YHVH YHWH saying Yahweh or just using capital LRD which is a placeholder that's where I take uh, exception with the King James Bible they should have been consistent and use Yahovah or they write it Jehovah with a J instead of putting that only in three or four places and defaulting back to capital LORD which is a placeholder which means where you see capital L-O-R-D, you insert Yahovah. We got confusion on God's name. 
so much that many people believe they're worshiping the same God and they're of different faiths. We're laughed at by Muslims. There's one man said, you Christians don't even know the name of your God. He was right. We've had folly like Christians suing for the right to import Bibles into Malaysia where they have the name of God in the Bible as Allah and the Muslims say, not so quick. That's not your God. And the misinformed Christians who don't know the name of their God, Yahovah, they th- thought it was Allah. They fought against the Muslims for the right to use the Muslim God in the Bible. How confusion, confused is that? God's not the author of confusion. Even the Muslims are saying, you got a problem over there. And I agree with the Muslims. Allah has no son. That's because Allah is not the God of the Bible, whose name is Yahovah, whose son is Jesus Christ. That's their God. But it's not the God of the Bible, the one true living God, Yahovah. We're confused about the Sabbath. And when people try to correct things, oh, you must be Seventh-day Adventists because you worship God on Saturday. Well, you can go to church Sunday. There's no problem with that. You can go to church Saturday too. What's the problem? If you want to worship God every day, but it's not the Sabbath. Two different events. Oh, you must be Jehovah's Witness because you use Jehovah. No. That's the name, the English name. We've got a lot of misinformed Christians. Let's not get off on the fact that we got many in the body of Christ who are, are going to probably be part of the great falling away. They're setting themselves up for a fall thinking they're going to get out of here before the tribulation starts. Now, you might get out of here if you die. Some of the people have been on this program, they've died. Went home to be with Jesus. They will not have to see the tribulation. But if you and I don't die and join them, we will likely see it. I believe it's in our lifetime. And if you bought the lie, you're getting out of here without any tribulation and suffering. Not only have you not read the word of God that shows me, you've not listened to what Jesus said when he said, I'm coming back immediately after the tribulation of those days. He's only coming back one time. And I could get off on a tangent there. But you're setting yourself up for a great deception and a great offense. People don't know the, the word of God. So where I can, I, I will put in the correction. God's name, Yahovah. Go check it out. Thousands of Hebrew manuscripts with the name intact. Sabbath, not on Sunday. It's Saturday. Back to what Jesus was doing. It said, and it came to pass that Jesus went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day. It's talking about Saturday. And his disciples began, and as they went, to pluck the ears of corn. They were hungry. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And Jesus said unto them, Have you ever read, never read what David did when he had need and was hungry, he and they that were with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar, the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat but for the priest, and gave also to them that were with him, And Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now that's true. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. 
But he's not negating that there is one day that was set aside to be holy unto the Lord. Now how you spend it may vary from one person to the next and the Orthodox Jews, uh, they will have all these man-made laws of what they will or will not do. And there, of course, were some things that were instructions given to the Israelites when they were making the, the exodus by Moses. But where it's at today, uh, you got some people that you know won't leave their house. Um, I was in Jerusalem at the Dan Panorama Hotel back in 2006 with my brother Cameron. We went over and met Al Cuppet and went to an event he did and filmed it. And we were there on the Shabbat, Friday night. And we got to the hotel. Uh, hotels were on automatic. You were not allowed to even push a button and go to your four. They considered that to be a work. Now, yeah, that's the uh, extreme part of it. But that's not what Jesus is saying to us. He's not looking for the Sabbath to be a shackle. But it should be a day that we set aside holy unto the Lord. We cease from our labors. I tell my wife, Mama, please don't wash clothes today. You could have done them yesterday. You can do them tomorrow. We've got six days to do that. We're not supposed to be doing that kind of manual labor today. We have a lady who works with us. Her name is Yosie. She's as tall as an Amazonian woman, very tall lady, which is actually nice. Most of the ladies that have worked with us have been so tiny. This lady's so tall, she can reach up higher than we can and put things in upper cabinets. She's great. <laughs> well, you get a day off when you work over here. America, you might get two days off. Well, everybody thought, well, you know, Sunday. No, I said, no, that's the, uh, I mean, excuse me, uh, excuse me, uh, give them off Sunday and make them work Saturday. And I said, well, wait a minute. The Sabbath is not Sunday. It's Saturday. Worldwide. So you're going to give her off Saturday? I said, yeah, God commands me to in his word. He says, you're not to work your servants, your cattle. You're not to do any labor on that day that you could be doing another day. That day is reserved for me, holy unto the Lord. Rest, have a feast, spend time with your family, go out to the park. Jesus was out on the Sabbath, go to church, etc. So Yosi does not work on the Sabbath. When I had my gun store, I did not open it up on the Sabbath. I closed. Well, why aren't you doing it like Chick-fil-A does on Sunday? Because he's got it wrong. Sunday is not the Sabbath. Saturday is. Oh, you must be Seventh-day Adventist then, right? I said, no, I'm not. But they got that right. Oh, you're using the name Jehovah. You must be Jehovah's Witness then, part of that cult. No, that's God's name. They got a lot of other things wrong, but they didn't get that wrong. People are ignorant. They don't know the Word of God or the power thereof. It's because... What have they been feasting on? They haven't been in the Word of God, studying to show themselves approved, rightly dividing the words of truth, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rather, rightly dividing the word of truth. They're probably reading the Left Behind series. 
They're probably reading How to Make Every Day a Friday. And they think they've been liberated. And they've replaced Israel. Not so fast. Not so fast. People do their own selves a disservice, not knowing the word of God or the power thereof, and being ignorant of where the Bible was written, who the Bible was written to, and the how God works, his covenant, his covenant people. We've been grafted in as Gentiles. We have not replaced the natural branches. That's a doctrine of demons. Christians in the Messiah, Jesus Christ, have been grafted in. Along with the natural branches, we have not replaced the natural branches. We are not the, we have not superseded God's covenant with Israel. His covenant of the very land to his people, the Jewish people. Gaza belongs to the Jewish people. God deeded it to them over there in his book. Problem is, most people haven't read his book. But they've watched the Passion whatever that show was, or they're watching Netflix, or they watch a sports game, or they've just played around with the Bible, read this and that, and think they are they got a PhD in the Bible. We've only scratched the surface, folks. you got to dig into that Bible. It's multi-layered. Prophecy many times dual-fulfilled, sometimes triple-fulfilled. And God means what is said. And he has not rescinded his commands and his word. We need to study them and find out what applies to us today and do it. Some things were given to the priest. Some things uh, dealt with offering of the sacrifice. That has been done away with. And yes, we have a new covenant that's greater but that has not rescinded the commands of the Lord, his statutes, his ordinances. Many of them are being run afoul today to people's detriment. God has not rescinded the Ten Commandments. He has not changed his Sabbath. I don't care what the Pope did. It was not changed to Sunday. It was Saturday. Jesus was out here on Saturday. And Jesus preached the gospel. He healed on the Sabbath. He cast out devils on the Sabbath. He didn't just sit in his room. Nobody said you got to sit at home. You can be active. You can do ministry on the Sabbath. You can fellowship one with the other. You can stay at home too and relax. Have a party. For many, it's a day of just unwinding. And I will tell you as I have begun to, many years ago, realize that I'm deceased from my labors on the Sabbath. And I was running a commercial business. I hope it's restart. Come Friday, I knew it was wind, wind down time. And come about 5 p.m., I shut everything down. And I would uh, get out of my condo, walk across the street to the mall. Yeah, I'd go over to the food court and have a steak or some chicken. And I'd go see a movie. And I would many times run into some Jewish friends uh, uh, Jewish tenants. I didn't know them real personally, but they lived in the same condo, and I struck a conversation. They were going to a synagogue. And a local Jewish restaurant where sometimes I would eat, it would be shut down on the Sabbath. 
It would be open Friday night. But it would open up a lot of times about 10 o'clock on Saturday night after the Sabbath was done. Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. And that's the way people lived. And my body got used to it. It realized, you know, it's time to put down the pencil. Uh, It's time to relax for the next 24 hours. And that's what I tried to do. And I tried to do today. Not always perfectly, but you know, I have had times in my life where I work seven days a week, and that is not advisable. That's not what God intended, and that will wear you out. Talking working commercial jobs seven days a week for years, I did that. God bless you. Let's go to our next program.